the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Grace and peace to you and welcome to Reaching for Real Life with Sean Azaro, the senior pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. A church that exists to help people just like you find the real life you were created for and find it to the full. That's what Jesus promised in John 10.10. And today we continue in a series called Us and Them. As Pastor Sean is telling the story of Zacchaeus, it will take us to the heart of Jesus. So is this chief tax collector one of them or one of us? This message might change how you relate to others who we think are far from God, because you'll hear the theme come through again. There is no us in them. There's only us. Reallife.org has this full message, sermon notes, and series available for free. But if you feel led right now to bless this listener-supported radio ministry, then please do. There's a place to give at reallife.org. It's part two of the message, Making Space. Pastor Sean Azaro is teaching from Luke 19. It's time for Reaching for Real Life Radio. No us and them when it comes to our need for Jesus. No us and them when it comes to how much he loves us and has created us for something amazing. It's just us. And following Jesus always leads, not sometimes, not usually, always leads to spending significant time with those people, the them in us and them. See, Jesus' disciples had to figure this out. They had to get used to the idea that following Jesus meant spending time with broken, lost, sinful people. And in their culture, that was considered compromised by the religious leaders. That was considered sinful in and of itself because they were afraid of being tainted, of losing their identity, and they, so they had this separatism. And they were closed. And they were the ones who often, because many times those religious leaders were a little skittish about going to Jesus himself. They ultimately became more bold. But early on in the Gospels, we see them going to the disciples and picking them off on the sides. Why does your master eat with those people? Why does he do that? And they're sitting there having to defend an action that they themselves probably aren't sure it's okay. They're, they're, really much, they're figuring out that, wait, if we're going to follow Jesus, it meant spending time with broken, lost, sinful people. Did you stop to realize that on the day that they're heading to Jerusalem, trying to get there by Passover, uh, Jesus' disciples had to go to Zacchaeus' house for the day as well? Because Jesus just didn't say, I want to go see your house. Give me the quick tour. No, I want to spend the day at your house. Jesus' disciples, well, there's a day. There's a day. And they had to go to Zacchaeus' house with Jesus, because they were following Jesus, which means going where Jesus went. See, here's a a simple principle. Where Jesus goes, his followers goes. That's what follow means. See, if if I'm following Jesus, which means I go where he goes, and he's going, I'm going to go over here, and there's some some people, and I'm like, whoa, 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 no, no, Jesus, I want to go over here. The minute I take a step this way, I'm not following Jesus anymore. Now I'm somehow hoping Jesus will come and follow me. Come on, Jesus, these people are so much nicer. The food's better. That's what follow means. It means I go where Jesus goes. And I have to tell you, there is nothing biblically that suggests that somehow Jesus changed. He's mellowed out in his old age. Jesus still, by his Holy Spirit, wants to be. He is where where broken, where lost people. Remember what he said? He came to seek and save the lost. He's still hanging around with those people. And thank God he was, because that's how someone came to me in my family. 
And he wants us to follow him. See, following Jesus always leads to spending significant time with those people. See, it meant going where he goes for them, and it still means that for us. In Luke chapter 15, verse 1 and 2 says something very familiar. Okay, so I'll summarize it for you. It says Jesus was, had all these tax collectors and sinners, and they were flocking to him, and the Pharisees were grumbling about it. Again. I mean, it seems every week in this series we've been reading passages, the same story playing out. But then in verse 3, he begins to tell them a story. So he told them this parable. He says, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he's lost one of them, doesn't leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he's found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, rejoice with me, for I found my sheep that was lost. Just so I tell you, listen to this, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Pay attention to that for a minute. It's interesting, that tells you Jesus' heart for lost people, people who aren't here yet, who are far from God. It tells you what a priority. Dude, if I have to leave the ones who are okay, leave the ones who are in the fold, leave the ones who are safe, to go find them, that's what I do. And so would you, he says. They are a priority. The joy of Jesus when even one comes home. And understand something. He didn't say he has no joy in the righteous, the righteousness of his people. Of course not. He just says there's more joy in even one who was lost and on their way to death and destruction. One who turns and finds life and comes home. And we totally get that. And I'd be proud of any, any of my kids or any of the kids in this church. I'm proud of all of them when they're doing well, they're serving, they're loving Jesus. But man, when that one who was lost and is broken and is far from God all of a sudden turns and comes home and comes to Jesus and finds life and is set free in him, now that's a party. And it's the truth. And see, here's the deal. He celebrated like that when I was the one. He celebrated like that when you were the one. And he wants to keep celebrating. Following Jesus always leads to spending significant time with those people. A couple things that he made real clear. One, Jesus sought out lost and sinful people. He sought them out. He didn't just wait to bump into them. He sought them out. Remember what he said, Luke 19.10, to the people when Zacchaeus repented? He said, for the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. He came looking for them. They were not an inconvenient obligation. It's like, well, I am Jesus. I should probably do something. This person's, you know, a mess. It wasn't like, oh, well, I have to. They were the point. They were the point. They were why he came. There are a lot of important things that we do here as a church. A lot of important things. We have a great ministry that really is saving marriages, reengages, a wonderful ministry. And it has really made a difference in people's marriages. It's powerful. We, we have wonderful worship ministry that helps us exalt the Lord and helps us align with the reality of his lordship. Preaching, I hope it's beneficial and important ministry for you. We're learning the word. We have Bible studies that we do. We have River City University. We have, those are important things. Christian education, we have a school that helps make disciples of students and help prepare them to serve the Lord with their lives. Those are all really important, but they're not the primary point. They all serve a point, which is Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. That's why he came. That's the point. They're his point. We were his point in coming. Saving souls is his mission. 
Because of that, it's our mission. We're following Jesus. So here's the question I ask myself, and I'll let you ask yourself. How am I doing at seeking out people who need Jesus? Beyond bumping in to them, but praying, Lord, open my eyes. It's morning. I'm getting ready for work. Lord, I just pray that you'd open my eyes and help me to see. And help me to, just help me to see people and to seek out people who need your love. And help me just to love somebody. Help me just to share your grace. Let them see your love, your hope for them, your joy in my eyes, in my face. Help me to seek out someone, find them. How are you doing at that? See, following Jesus always leads to spending significant time with those people. Second thing, not only did Jesus seek out lost and sinful people, but Jesus invested time with sinners. He invested time with sinners. Stop and consider. And you're like, okay, Jesus, come on. He's, he's living in the Middle East back then. They wore sandals. It's kind of like a beach town. They, they didn't have, they, there was no pressure. They're just, they're just doing their due, right? You know, come on. Jesus just, hey, man, come on, follow me, man. I want to wake you up if that's what you think. But I want to paint a different picture for you. Jesus came to redeem mankind. His public ministry, three years. Stop and think, three years. He started a movement that would change the world. We, we know there were times when his disciples came to him and said, Jesus, come on, everyone's looking for you. Let's go back to the city. He said, no, 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 pack it up, guys. We're going to the next town because that's why I came. Jesus was focused. Jesus had a purpose. He did everything intentionally. He trained his disciples intentionally. He taught them. He sent them out intentionally. Jesus had three years to do something that would take over the whole world. And he did it. And he didn't have the internet. He didn't have publishing. He didn't have a PR firm. How could he do it? Now, in fairness, he walked on water and raised the dead. So that gave him somewhat of an advantage. I mean, right? That had to create some kind of buzz. But think about it. I just want, unless you think of Jesus walking around, kind of, he was focused and he had a massive job. And yet, as busy as he was in one sense, he always had time for people. Always. It's challenging to me as I look at it. Because Jesus accomplished way more in three years than I'm going to do in 30 years. And yet he always had time for people. I mean, in in Luke chapter 13, just a few chapters before this, okay? Six chapters earlier, verse 22, we're told that Jesus and his disciples were moving south towards Jerusalem. So they're heading to his final moment, his main purpose for being here. So they are setting out on that kind of road trip, if you will, to head to Jerusalem for that final week where he will give his life as a ransom for our sins. And this is when we take a quick minute to remind you, you're listening to Reaching for Real Life with Pastor Sean Azaro, a listener-supported ministry of River City Community Church in this message called Making Space. The series is called Us and Them, which is available right now on the sermon page at reallife.org. And while you're there, if you've been blessed by this teaching, your gift of any amount helps this radio ministry continue to help others. Just find the Give tab at reallife.org. And Pastor Sean Azaro, now an author, invites you to check out his brand new book. 
302 Books, a division of Salem Media Group, presents A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life, Rediscovering the Gift of the Spirit, authored by Sean Azaro, pastor of River City Community Church in San Antonio, Texas. Growing up in and around Pentecostal churches, I really learned to appreciate the role of the Spirit in the life of the believer. But I also saw what I considered to be imbalance and excess in some of our churches when it came to how we taught about the infilling. Now available at Amazon.com, Sean Azaro shares his most requested teaching and radio broadcast series in a devotional form, encouraging you to embrace the Spirit-filled life. I wrote in a devotional style to encourage readers to examine the Scripture with fresh eyes and make room for the Lord to speak about the role of the Spirit in our lives. The goal of the whole book is to simply make you hungry for more of the Spirit. Order your copy of A Pilgrim's Guide to the Spirit-Filled Life by Sean Azaro today at Amazon or reachingforreallife.org. And now the conclusion to the message, Making Space. This is Reaching for Real Life Radio. From that point in Luke 13, 33, we see him heal a man with a disease on the Sabbath because Jesus stopped to worship with some, and on the Sabbath, he healed a man and then had all the fallout and the religious leaders criticizing, and he had to explain to them, and he dealt with all that. We see him stop and patiently teach multiple groups of people with questions and with different inquiries. We see him cleanse 10 lepers of their sickness and then have time to commend one who comes back for his gratitude and his faith. We see him teach more groups who have questions and bring more insight to them. We see him receive a group of children. Their mothers brought them to him. They wanted Jesus to bless them. They bring the children, and the disciples are trying to shoo them away like flies. Come on, we're going to Jerusalem, just a busy man. This is Jesus. He doesn't have time for this. And I can almost see Jesus. It's like, you know, if this was like hanging around with his boys and kind of just turn and crack one of the disciples in the head, what are you doing? I mean, maybe Jesus wouldn't do that. He'd be much more diplomatic. But he's like, dude, stop. He says, don't, don't ever forbid the children to come to me. These are what the kingdom is made of. You, you want to come into the kingdom? Become like one of these. And he, on the way to Jerusalem, heading for his final destination, which he knew what was coming. Disciples think they're just going to Passover. Jesus knows what's coming. But he stops and he spends time and lays hands on each child. I can imagine him talking to the mother. And just praying for him and blessing him. And for the older ones sitting down and go, don't ever forget how much Father loves you. Don't ever forget the life he created you for. Each child. He talks to the rich young ruler on that same trip. It takes time to have this encounter. Remember what we said about it? Remember, he looked at him, he loved him. Jesus wasn't too busy to stop, deal with this guy who was caught up in his wealth and his riches. But he looked at him, he loved him, he spoke to him. And then I think he grieved for the fact that that young man went away, saddened, because he had so much wealth. He healed a blind beggar. Right? This was right before he got into Jericho. He stopped and healed a blind beggar. And then he comes and he's going to spend an entire day at Zacchaeus' house. And this is all on a road trip. And my thought is like, are you kidding me? When I'm on a road trip, I got one deal, one thing, one thought, one focus, one goal. Make good time, because that's what matters. We must make good time. You ever been on a road trip? I don't, you may, maybe you're that guy, but you get on a road trip, and it's like, we got to make it on time. we got kids. Here's the bathroom. It's a big Pepsi bottle. Yeah, there you go. Figure it out. Make the best of it. Because we aren't stopping, because we must make good time. Why? Because when I get there, some guy's going to ask me if I made good time. Oh, and I'm going to tell him. <laughs> I made it to Dallas in 45 minutes. How about you? <laughs> 
What's our hurry? What is my hurry? See, this is the problem. Jesus, while redeeming the world with the most important mission and an urgency like we'd never seen before him. The joy set before me endured the cross. With that, that urgency, he always had time for people. And that is very convicting for me because I have developed a habit and grown up in a culture that taught me to cram more into my days than I should. To fill my days and, and then to be proud of that. And then to be proud of how busy I am because that validates how important I must be. Well, I'm busy. I must be in demand. See, Jesus never told me to do that. Jesus didn't tell me to pack my schedule to ridiculousness. Jesus didn't tell me. Jesus, actually, if I follow his example, he left margin. He left margin. He knew when he needed to be where, and he made sure he had plenty of time. Jesus spent time, invested time, with lost people. See, stop and think about it. What's our hurry? What is my lack of time and space for people costing me? What big things is it costing? Whose life might be saved and even changed for eternity if I'll slow down, leave some space, leave some margin, and make time to just love someone in Jesus' name, just to hang out? See, following Jesus always leads to spending significant time with those people. No us and them, it's just us. Third thing we see is Jesus saves sinners. And you're like, well, that's kind of obvious. Well, but Jesus stopped and said he came to seek and to save the lost. What does he save us from? Matthew 1, 21. Remember what the angel said? She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from what? Their sins. That's what he saves us from. And folks, lest we, in the whole mud masterpiece illustration, lest we think sin is not a big deal. Oh, just look past it. It's not a big deal. It's a really big deal. Just like if you saw a priceless masterpiece covered in mud and stained and torn. It's a really big deal. The difference is we take that masterpiece to the master to be restored because it's precious. But sin is not a game. See, God hates sin because it kills the people that he loves kills the people he created for so much more. And so he takes sin really seriously. If you're ever tempted to think sin isn't a big deal, well, just go watch the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And then tell me sin isn't a big deal. No, no, it was a really big deal. That's what he saves us from. Our sin is keeping us from the love, the fellowship, the relationships, the destiny, the purpose, the, the life God created us for, that fundamentally in our heart of hearts we all know, when we lay our head down on our pillow, we know we were made for something more. And sin is what creates the barrier and stops us from ever having the fullness of what God made for us. So he saves us from our sin, but he saves us to what? He saves us from what? He saves us to what? I love Revelation twenty two seventeen. Look what it says. The Spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come. And let the one who is thirsty come. Remember what we said, how much sin is just simply rooted in satisfying this thirst we have in the wrong places? We all have thirst. Remember the conversation with the woman at the well? 
all about water, all about thirst, her sin comes up. And what we realize is she, she had a thirst that she was meeting in an unhealthy way through men. And Jesus said, I want to satisfy that thirst. He didn't condemn her thirst. He said, I want to satisfy your thirst with living water. And let the one who is thirsty come. Let the one who desires take the water of life without price. See, what he saves us to is a satisfied thirst, a life that we were created for. That's what he saves us for, and that's what he saves us to. Jesus saves sinners. That's the mission. I want to just pause, and I want to talk to those of us kind of American Christians. And, and I don't know that this just applies to us, but we're Americans, and so I'm going to address it in this way for us. Um, I love this country. I'm so grateful to have been born in America. I really am. It was a gift of the Lord, and I am grateful. And I do. I love our country. But I want to say real clearly, as the body of Christ, our job is not to save America. Our job is not to save America. Our job is to follow Jesus and let him use us to save people. That's the truth. And and if we we can get so caught up in the politics and even the morality of the politics that we miss it. And let me just tell you, I love America and the best thing I will ever do for America is to help Americans follow Jesus. That is the best thing that I'll ever be able to do for this country of ours. Help follow Jesus. Because here's the problem. When I start thinking, oh my gosh, I've got to save America from those people because that's typically who I need to save it from whether they're outside, whether they're inside, whatever, that those people, I need to save America from those people. When I think that's what I have to do, I end up making enemies of the very people I'm called to love in his name, which is very counterproductive, by the way. And so I love this. I'm, I'm not saying we shouldn't be involved in the political process. It's great. It's wonderful. But just remember what our mission is. Just remember what Jesus' mission is. Just remember how to truly bless this country and other countries around the world. Let's love people in Jesus' name and help them come and begin to follow him. That will truly make a difference. That's a game changer. Following Jesus always leads to spending significant time with those people. Last thing, and this is so true, and I want you to, I want you to, un, I want you to take this in for a moment. You can't follow Jesus if you aren't willing to make time and space for people who need his love. I can't follow Jesus if I'm not willing to make time and space for people who need his love. That's just the truth. See, Jesus came. He said, that's why I came, to seek and save the lost. Jesus' heart is still to seek and save the lost. His spirit is in me, his desire to seek and save the lost. So if I'm not spending time with people who need Jesus, can I really say I'm following him? Or might I be guilty of asking him to follow me throughout my days? This is so moving to me, Matthew chapter 9, verse 36 to 38. When he, Jesus, saw the crowds, he had compassion for them. I don't know what you think of when you think of the crowds. I don't know if compassion is my primary, my first gut response sometimes when I'm in the crowd. If I'm in the spirit, if I'm talking to the Lord, yes. But if I'm just busy and the crowds are getting in my way, I don't know that compassion's always the first thing. He saw the crowds and had compassion for them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Maybe it's not even a physical crowd. What, how about the crowd on Twitter? They make you nuts? Drives me insane. 
If I spend too much time there, one, I feel dumber just for my experience. It's, it's true. I just I, it, The craziness that comes, the stuff that people say and the things. I think Jesus looks at that and you're like, wait a minute, Jesus has a Twitter account? No, he's Jesus. He can see it all. But I think he think, sees the hearts and the, say, the words and the stuff flowing around. And I think he has compassion. I think he wants us to have compassion. He wants us to have compassion for them because they're harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Then, in response, and I can just see, picture this moment. There's these crowds. He sees them. Okay, this is not hypothetical. This happened. He saw the crowds had compassion because they were helpless. Like sheep without a shepherd. And his response, he turns to his disciples. Guys, look, look. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Pray earnestly. I love that. I love that. Isn't prayer enough? I mean, I'm talking to God. But I need, he's saying, there's feeling in this. He's saying, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Pray earnestly. And then, that's the end of chapter 9. In chapter 10, he gathers them and he sends them out. In other words, guys, you're going to be the answer to your own prayer. Pray for more. But you're going to go. And Luke, he just says it real quickly. He says, pray to the Lord of the harvest and workers in the field. And then he says, go, I'm sending you. How are you doing at spending time with people who are far from God? But how hard is it just to be kind to someone, just to love them, just to start a relationship, just to be a friend, just to say, hey, I want to hang with you a little bit. That's how Jesus started with Zacchaeus. He didn't say, come down from that tree. I want to deliver you from all your sin because it's, it's messy. He just said, I want to come to your house. The sin kind of just came out. The repentance then just came out. What would it take just to love somebody? That's Pastor Sean Azaro. You've been listening to Reaching for Real Life Radio. And if you'd like to hear this full message in the series, Us and Them, it's available right now on demand at reallife.org. And while you're there, we'd appreciate your feedback. You can leave us a note on our Contact Us page. Or even better, your financial gift helps this radio ministry continue. Find that Give tab at reallife.org. But of course, you're invited to visit and join us at River City Community Church, located on Lookout Road right behind Rotama Park, next to the Real Life Amphitheater. If you'd like to call the church, the number is 210-490-5262. As Reaching for Real Life Radio is a service of River City Community Church. We hope you join us again next time as you travel the road to real life. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.